and we're live. You're tuning to Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today I have an interesting duo in the studio with me. I find it difficult to describe what they do because they seem to be at the epitome of culture. And the medium is food and beverage. Could you please describe what you guys do? Shall I begin? Okay. Yes, please. So my name is Timothy. I am the chef and owner of InBet Company. We are a craft beer bar and restaurant. Um, we are located in East Coast Road. Um, and I think what we do a little bit more in our space is that we try to challenge what bar food could really be. Okay. Yeah. So when doing my research for this particular episode, I think on your Instagram profile, I think one thing in particular stood out to me, which is I think the caption of Thoughtful Meals. Mm -hmm. So just to, just to kickstart the conversation, I'm just curious to know, what does it mean to have Thoughtful Meals? So when we say thoughtful meals, I really think it's um, thinking a lot on the lines of how people will feel when they come to a food and beverage establishment, um, how you pride yourself on the idea of people paying you for their meals. And as a consumer ourselves, we all have to eat and drink, right? Unfortunately. Um, yeah. What a pain. Um <laughs> How we are, how we are actually um, looking ourselves in the mirror, um, day in day out, and saying that if someone's going to put ten bucks in my hand, am I going to give him a good meal? Am mm. I going to give him good service, yep. or am I just, you know, probably as with some bars that I've been to, just store bought stuff. Store what? Sorry. Store bought stuff. So okay. uh, stuff that you would put in the freezer, just yep. pull it out, fries, yep. just jam it into the into the fryer yep. and then, yeah. So um, for us, we have been in a few spaces over the past three years. And um, I think with every space, we've noticed a little bit of an evolution of how we have been doing our food, mm. how consumers have been um, um, perceiving our food, um, the feedback that we get. Mm. And at the same time, as consumers ourselves, we always ask ourselves on nights when we get drunk, you know, when we drink too much, we always end up eating too much greasy stuff as well. Okay. Right. You go for fries, you go for fried chicken, yep. you go for things that um, makes you feel good at that point of it's time. It's like a hunger for those things. Yeah? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And don't get me wrong. I love all of these things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's going to be places that we will, that will definitely you gravitate have this, to. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we definitely will go to them. But um, the question that Elaine and I have always been asking ourselves is, if we are going to put our lives on the line, in that sense where oh, okay. our, our our livelihoods are at yep. stake here, right? Yep. When you start your own FMB, yep. right? Um, especially if you don't have, you you know, you don't come from a rich family, and 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 this is all you've got, right? Mm. Um, we asked ourselves, are we gonna do something that will just be what everyone else is doing, or mm. are we going to try to do something that's different? Um, for example. When people leave um, a bar or yep. restaurant, um, the big question that we ask ourselves is always how they feel after they leave. That is something that um, you probably might not be able to put your hand on, mm. but how you feed them, uh, we believe it's, it's how it would also change how they would feel about the night before. Mm. Because if I went out for drinks with you and we had a bunch of beers, we slap down a lot of oily food. Next day, we'll feel like shit. 
Okay. And we probably might not have had a good experience from the night before in terms of how we ate and drank. Mm. Uh, not to say that we didn't have fun together, right? So the question we asked ourselves is how do we kind of plug this hole and make sure that <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah plug this hole yeah yeah and and it's just funny okay and kind of make sure that um apart from you already having a good time with your friends how do we supplement that as a business and make you feel like you know what yesterday was money well spent Sur- the service was good food was great yep um drinks were great yep i woke up the next day i didn't feel like shit Mm. And I think it's something that a lot of businesses should be thinking about. And that's something a little bit more different with uh, what we are doing here at Ibeco. So it sounds like something, uh, just giving the extra mile, even post-sales, la, because you can sell them the drinks, you can sell them the food, but what happens after? Yep. Mm. So that is a very interesting train of thought. And I'm curious to know how did you guys arrive at that? Uh, yeah. Well, what influenced this particular train of thought to make it so integral uh, as part of the business? So I would say that in the past three years, um, when we first started um, into this whole idea of craft beer, um, that was when we met um, Kiola from Bunker Bunker, Sam from Okao, um, Kenny from Almost Famous, uh, Jeremy as well. Vinny from Moonstone. And trying a lot of names. Uh. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all the shout outs. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my boys. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we started this journey together and all our bars are almost the same age or so. Um, okay. Orkow just celebrated their anniversary like last week. Yeah. Uh, the, no, the week before and we're going to celebrate our third year next month. So um, we... At least from for us, we we started out very amateurish. We didn't really know what craft beers were, but we knew that this was a product that tasted really good. Okay. Okay. Than your normal commercial beers, and and there's this special thing called hops, mm. right? Um, so in that process, we've managed to meet a lot of other people in the industry, and at the same time, see what they are doing in their spaces. Um, and I think. For myself, especially being the person who's creating the food, um, I think I was lucky enough to have gotten drunk so many times. Uh, and survive it. Yeah. <laughs> Elaine has had to deal with me on nights where, you know, I don't even remember anything. And okay. and, and it happens very, very often. And I, u- I usually will end up um, drinking way too much mm. and consuming way too much uh, food that, might not be that good for me. And then I realized that I need to go on like a six to seven day long fast from the alcohol, okay. from specific types of foods. Yep. And then we started to ask ourselves like, why is this happening? It's, is it because I'm just a dumbass? Okay, right? which, <laughs> that's possible. Which, yes, yep. I think so yep. as, as well. But um, we also realized from other restaurants that we go to, mm. uh, for example, Wine Revolution, um, I think they are the guys that also kind of, you know, when we went down to their space to try their natural wines and their food, and it was a very new take on what bar food is all about. Um, Could you explain? Yeah. So um, what Wine Revolt does is that they they take your usual bar foods and they put a bit more of a casual fine dining spin on it. 
where the flavors are more nuanced mm-hmm. um, and very well thought through. Um, it's also created in that way where with the selection of wines that they have, there's always some dish that is on their menu that would pair really well with the wines mm-hmm. as well. So in that process, because of the flavors of the food, because of um, the the layers of flavors and the layers of work that has, that has um, that they have put through, put the ingredients through, you end up with a product that maybe you spend a little bit more on, mm. but you know that you are you are getting one of the best bar foods in in town, and at the same time, paired together with the service where mm. they help you to understand what you are consuming and what you could um, have as a drink together with your with your food, really made us think about that experience as a consumer. Yep. And we wanted to try to do that in the realm of craft beers. Mm. Because um, sometimes when you think about the numbers uh, of in terms of how much you're paying for a craft beer, and if you put that same volume of craft beer up to the same thing as a bottle of natural wine, mm. you might be paying close to that same amount as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but the big question mark for us has always been why aren't people trying to do craft beer and food pairings at the same time? Mm-hmm. Because I think we are so wired in that sense where because there's so much marketing going on on wine and food pairings yep. all the time, mm-hmm. we, we we just kind of gravitate towards that and we just think that beers are just smash and crush. But mm-hmm. at the okay. same time, nat- um, natural wines are in that same way a crafted good. As in that same way a craft beer is as well yep. where there's so much flavors so why as a chef I've always asked myself why can't I do a pairing with the flavors that we find in beers yeah so I hope I've answered your question most definitely and yeah. I think before we move on to the next part I really like your positivity that you can spin getting drunk and blackout drunk into such a positive uh, <laughs> uh, philosophy to, to live by. I think that uh, I think that's pretty amazing. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, you, along with some of your friends in, I guess, the, the, the craft beer community in Singapore is kind of like all of the same age and kind of celebrating the same uh, feats uh, of, of being in Singapore for, mm. for a set amount of time. What, yep. what does that mean to you? Like to be uh, surrounded by this, this community of, of craft beers, uh, brewers and I guess shops, but mm. they're doing different things mm. and you guys like, collaborate, you guys like, exchange ideas. Yeah. I would say that if not for this community, I don't think that we would be where we are as well. Mm. Um, I, I think any journey, regardless of um, what the industry is, I think needs to have a community. And they were the guys that um, really made the journey not feel so lonely. Because when you start a when you start a a business, I think it gets very daunting. Mm. Um, and the good thing is that everybody is all in different tracks, but all still doing the same things. And everyone has new ideas on how, you know, we are going to push this beer. Yep. We are going to do a, a crazy event um, that has not been done yet, yep. you know, with all these crazy young guys. Um, and then we start throwing ideas to each other. And um, we realize that each and every one of us, we service a very different 
um, community. Okay. Uh, our consumer group really is very, very different. Mm. Um, in that sense, because we are all servicing so many different groups in the community, um, we all can take whatever we've learned and then we always come back, we, we sit around the table, smash a bunch of beers, um, we talk a little bit more about how um, um, we've experienced some problems here and there. Okay. Uh, with different customers or, or or how we've run an event and, you know, we we, we kind of missed out some parts yep. here and there. Yep. In Just in that process of running a business, they've all been so open uh, to share their experiences yep. with the entire group. Yep. So like this whole, this whole group of us, we have a group chat called the, the neighbors. neighbors. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So back back then, like three years ago, uh, we used to be in River Valley. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then Bunker Bunker, almost famous. Princess. You know, the rest of the boys, they were all very nearby. Mm. So we considered we just call ourselves the neighbors. Yep. Right. And 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 that's kind of stuck with the craft beer scene. Yep. So we have this group chat where um we just share prices on like, you know, what we are getting from another supplier. Yep. If we've met someone new, we just throw that contact in mm. as well so that we can all try to collaborate as much as possible. Yeah, so I think being with them and having this open group of, you know, of community of like, like-minded crazy guys. Yeah. Um, and my personality is quite crazy and stupid as well. I don't like to so, judge, but since you mentioned it, sure. Let's, <laughs> let's, yes, let's yes, run with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm... I'm I mean, especially yeah. when craft beer, like from three years ago, craft beer is actually not known compared to like recent years. Mm. Like most people will just like go for like commercial beers. Mm. Like I, w- I don't want to mention names, but <laughs> but but they are good beers also. Yeah. Like they, it's just something that what all the consumers prefer, right? Mm. So I think it's nice to have this community to like encourage each other mm. till that today where craft beer is like widely known and there's so many new craft beer bars opening too mm. yeah yeah really like what what tim shared because it sounds as though it's the antithesis to how you run a business where you are so competitive and you are trying to eliminate the competition or even absorb them but it sounds as though that you guys i mean the image i got where, where you were sharing it's like a uni class that you yeah, guys are all yeah. running separate projects yeah. but you guys are open to 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 share different ideas and to even cross collaborate like that yeah yeah so on the idea of craft beer, um, to to the second Elin's point, I realized that it came into popular uh consciousness a couple of years ago, mm. and even we fast forward or we, we rewind like six seven years, it's not that known. So I'm curious to know what are both of y'all's uh first initial impression, or how how do you guys encounter it? Is it in Singapore? Is it some? Is it overseas? Yeah, do you remember the place? Yeah, I first came into contact with craft beer. Contact in the mouth. Yeah. Okay. Um, is, is that a joke? Could, could you explain yeah, that? Yeah. 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 Oh, he just tried. Okay. Never okay. Mind. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Feel, feel. Okay. Uh, I'm very confused. Uh, he looked at me like that. Because <laughs> okay. I saw coming to contact, like the can smash in my face kind of contact, you know. Okay. Okay. But, okay. Uh, I, I, think, I think for me, yep. I had it first in Singapore and I was introduced to craft beer because of Tim. Okay. Because back then, we just met each other and then he had his own like cocktail bar mm. and he wasn't really into craft beer 
then so he was doing a bit more like cocktails mm. and like a bit more like uh commercial commercial craft beers, craft beers. yeah 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 What's the difference uh craft beers are generally uh characterized um um or yeah or categorized um by being small batch brews so there's a specific amount uh of hectoliters that you would brew per year what what liters hectoliters oh, that's a new word for today wow yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay yeah. so um according to that amount of liters that you brew each year that would either classify you as like a commercial oh, okay, or like okay. a craft brewer yep, yep. um and how i would say commercial craft beer is when um a craft brewery gets bought over by uh which which happens sometimes um a big commercial brewery buys over a craft brand and then they increase the amount of uh of productions yes ah, okay, that goes yeah. up per year uh yeah. sometimes they might even change the recipe so that it, it it becomes more cost effective yep so the quality of the beer might change yep for the better or not it depends on who's going to drink it right yep. but yeah those are the beers where um you get them for a much lower price yep. um in terms of flavors they're not as robust as your usual craft beers mm. yeah 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 so that's like commercial craft mm. yeah yeah so like for me i started drinking it after i met him and his friends which is the neighbors mm. and then we started <laughs> drinking a lot yep. uh but when i first get in touch with craft craft beer i don't really like some of the style mm. so there are a lot of different styles like ipas uh, lagers uh farmhouse ales, sours, gozes, all these different terms that mm. I don't understand. So okay. the first time I actually tried uh, craft beer cider, when I drank it, it's like, what is this funk smell? <laughs> 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 yeah, but compare it to like today, I actually like that funk smell. Did you grow accustomed to it or you just kept drinking it? Or? I, I guess it's like, I, I kept drinking like different styles. Mm -hmm. Then, I got bored of how like certain hops just taste like I it, for me sometimes they taste the same. Yep. And then when I tried like maybe natural wine, farmhouse ale that has this funk taste to it, which I I don't know how to explain mm. properly, but uh, I kind of like that taste profile. Okay. That, that I grow to appreciate it. Yep. And then slowly I feel that a lot of Singaporeans are like. Uh, in the community everyone is like starting to like grow to like like craft beers too so okay. yeah so what yeah. about you Tim what was your first contact with regards to craft beers as so an idea? when I was running the cocktail bar I I started trying out craft beers um, because I I actually really enjoyed those commercial craft beers because I could smash a lot of them, right? So I was asking myself, is there a second level to this? Is there like a step up from mm. all these flavors? So um, I was introduced to um, this guy called Julius. Mm. He is uh, he works for this company called Beer Style, and they are he works for this owner who who brought in the first IPA into Singapore years ago, which is called Stone IPA. Um, I started bringing some of their stuff and I was really amazed at 
how different craft beer really tastes like. Mm-mm. And um, I really think that um, going into craft beer, like what Elaine men- mentioned, you might try something new and you'll be like, Ugh, the hell is this shit, right? Um, but I feel like it's a culmination of trying things over and over again or a wide array of things over different settings <laughs> where you might be at a, at a friend's house and you might be having pizza. Yep. You just ha- happen to have one of those beers that you tried by itself and you didn't like, but you had it with pizza and you had a specific kind of a cheese. And that cheese could be very um, overpowering on your on your palate. Mm. And a beer that is light-bodied with a little bit of funk could actually be like a palate cleanser. So I I I think that progression that she was saying is 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 kind of like uh it's it's kind of like this like when you try a dish and then you pair it or you happen to pair it with a drink and yep. you realize that hey this actually goes damn well together yep. and then you start realizing for yourself that on days where it's a bit too hot or I'm having some fried food I want to go for a beer style that it's uh that gives me a lot of clean refreshing light flavors on days where I feel like I want to go all out um I'm I'm having a I'm having a piece of stick right I want to go for a heavy stout or like a porter or sometimes even an IPA goes well with that Mm-mm. as well and then that's where we feel or at least for myself that's how I started to find out more about craft beers and how I started to fall in love with specific styles. Yep. Yeah. So I'm getting the impression that you kind of have to drink a lot uh, to 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 have this like even like this scientific approach like oh like this happens let's say a piece of steak comes and I want to have it or oh, I need to take this in this particular concentration and to drink it for the maximum effect. It sounds as though it's like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but um you don't necessarily have to drink a lot of beer to find out what you like. Um I think the beautiful thing about the craft beer scene is that there is a huge array of craft beers. And I think what's fun about that is that you you get drawn into the different kind of packaging designs. I would agree. I would agree. And you'll yeah. be like, after this beer, I want to hit that beer because it looks so good, right? <laughs> yeah. Is, is that an actual train of thought? Um, after this beer, I want to hit that beer. There are that, people that, like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah and, 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 and I guess that's, that's kind of how craft beer became something that's a little bit more attractive to the mass crowd um, because craft beer started as something very niche. Um, mm. Beers that are slightly higher priced. Yep. Um, yes, they have nice pack- packaging, but people are still not, um, I would say in my own words, not educated enough um, to know what's the difference between like a $22 lager and a $10 um no names, uh, beer, right? You know, it's yeah. Like a math question. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so, um, you don't necessarily have to drink a lot of craft beers, um, to to fall in love with it. But I think, um, the people that are in the craft beer scene, um, which I've seen so much of, and that's what really encourages me to to continue to pursue this, is that they spend a lot of time understanding different flavors so like we are kind of like the guys who are at the back just beer after beer like okay 
know, smashing it you in know, your own just words. Smash, but, but okay. We love it. Um, we we chit chat with um, local brewers. Uh, we try to collaborate as much with um, the suppliers to talk to um, brewers overseas as well to understand more about their beers, mm. understand a lot more about the brewing process. And then I think it really all falls down to the people who are running the the bars and the restaurants to to understand what it is that you like for your flavor palette Mm-mm-mm. and to start you off with the right beer. Because if you came in and you if you came into our bar and and you tell me that you like something light and easy and I smack you with something really, really hard, like your first impression of craft beers okay. will just be Wow, craft beers are super fair. Okay, super fair. heavy on the palate. It's mm. not what I like, you know. But um, I think the hallmark of a good craft beer bar is 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 having a a well informed team um, of drinkers um, who would, <laughs> who would know the products really well, yep. and to be able to recommend the right beers to get a new drinker started. And I think that's how we've managed to convert so many people or you know mm. across all the different bars to become yeah. regulars at all the invi- all the individual bars because these are the people that would might start with something light first and then they grow to become like big craft beer drinkers and they start going from 5% beers to like 10% beers to 12% beers because as we taste more things that's when our palate starts to get more excited Okay. That's when our palate was will will start to ask for like what's the next flavor, what's the next thing. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so conscious. I mean, okay. <laughs> that's that's how I that's how I think about food yep. and and the things that I consume. Yep. And that's kind of the trend that we've been seeing with um, new consumers. Mm. Yeah, they try something light first, and then they are like, "Oh, mm. this is so nice! Like, do you have something a little bit more spicy, something mm. a bit heavy, like heavier in flavors?" Yeah. So they kind of start progressing which kind of makes that experience a lot better for them yep. then you start them like at the wrong beer and Fair. then they're just like doors closed yep. I'm not going to come back to this again yep. Yeah. so it's kind of like they, they will take something uh, initially and they might not know what they want but they just have a very vague idea but it's up to you guys or uh, the, the, the informed individual to actually recommend it to them and to just start them like progressively yeah that's right that's right so I'm curious to know um, what does Singapore's palette look like what 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 have you noticed about at least locally? Mm. Okay, I will I'll I'll just say what I think first because I work in the kitchen more now, so okay, I don't talk to the customers as much as she does. Yep. Um, but from experience, I think that the local palate um is very drawn to very floral, fruity, um, and very refreshing notes. That's a three very big words. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, quite a lot of people at the start when I when I first uh, meet them, they usually um would say things like, "Weather very hot. Mm. Do you have a beer that's refreshing?" Mm-mm-mm. There are some people that will say, "I don't really drink beers, but um, in terms of flavors, I like something fruity in my beer." Yep. Um, some people would like something floral in their beer as well and that is also a flavor profile that hops would give you mm. um yeah so that is the general idea that i that 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 i start i started off with with a lot of um when it comes to like the singaporean beer palette yeah 
because at least for myself as well, um, because I have been growing up drinking so much uh, commercial beer, um, I've always been very accustomed to light flavors. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's no one commercial beer that I've drank that um, was really very heavy. So when I first started on craft beers, the first thing that I that I asked for was something light and a bit fruity just to start with first. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the more or less the Singapore palette, would you say? Would you agree mm, with that? I think for me, um, from seeing like all the customers that came to our place, yeah. I think most of them, uh, there are some that come in just to want to get drunk. <laughs> I mean, there are still people like that, <laughs> for sure. And, yeah. and they will try all different kinds of like beers and that's when they can go for um, beers that's a little bit more like heavy on the palate. Um, but we also noticed that there are a lot of customers that come in to like eat the food that um, Tim does and they will ask like what kind of beer that goes well with that. And that's the whole purpose of yep. like this, um, like his purpose of like- <laughs> His purpose, yeah, yes, that is his yes. purpose. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what he wants yep. uh, people to like know too. Yep. So- I think it depends. Like, like, like what he mentioned that at at the start, like if the weather is really hot, um, they will go for something refreshing, yep. and then they will start with, um, I think there's no specific palette, cause I think that they will start with something refreshing, and then they will go for something heavy on the palette, which is IPAs, uh, stout, yep, and then they will end with a sour, which is to cleanse your palate, or they will end with Hard liquor, so <laughs> it depends. Yeah, so I I don't I think there's there's still like a lot of different kind of like how do you can I just add? Yeah, I think that the at, at this current point of time, I think that the Singaporean palette is very learned already. Is there what sorry? Learned. What's learned? Yeah, in in that sense where I think that they kind of already know what they want. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that the food and beverage scene here is very robust. Mm. So people are trying a lot of different types of beverages already, right? Okay. Someone might come in and maybe have had some lagers before and they drink a lot of soju, right? They they frequent cocktail bars more, yep. right? So I, I think that a lot of people already know roughly what they want in their palate already. Um, and and I, I think it makes things a lot easier these days mm. as compared to um, like three years three ago. years ago yeah. okay well it's a bit more confusion and a bit more confusion yeah you need yeah. to tell them the whole story about how like they brew the beers and all that and then they'll yeah, be like yeah. whoa yeah but <laughs> yeah yeah but the very fun thing now and I think it's it's a good thing as well uh, there are a lot of commercial beer bars mm. that are taking in craft beer now as well so um, where last time you usually have to work a lot harder to convert someone over to craft beer. Someone who usually frequents a, a you know a bar that generally serves commercial beer mm. would already tell you that, oh, I've tried craft beers already. Uh, you know, I've only tried a few. Yep. But um I you, you know I'm I'm quite curious like yep. what else there is because when I look at your fridges, you've got like almost a hundred beers. So like <laughs> okay. like help me to understand like which one should I go for and what would be the best? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I like that the word conversion has come out like twice in this conversation. I mean, when I first encountered this whole craft beer thing, it's a cola, definitely. Mm. Everybody's drinking, everybody's happy, everybody's talking about beers and all these different ingredients. Okay, thanks. Thanks for proving it right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you you mentioned that you operated a cocktail bar before. So yep. uh. What is the difference between like a running a cocktail bar and running like a, a craft craft beer bar? Is there any difference? Um, there definitely is a difference. Yeah. When I operated the cocktail bar, it was very much chichi kind of a style. So, so what is that? <laughs> um, it's it's a lot more upscale, like close to fine dining. Uh, in terms of how we how we fitted the entire space in terms of the entire look of the space, in terms of the menu as well. Um, a lot of the spirits we brought in were also crafted spirits. Yep. Um, and a lot of the cocktails that we created were all like from scratch, new recipes. Um, I had a good friend from Proof & Co back then come in and help me out with the creation of yep. the, the menu as well. Um, I think the difference in these two different beverages is really that the beer crowd is a lot more casual. Mm. What uh, does casual mean in this context though? So, so like you are not expected to be treated a certain way. So like, you know how like some, like if you go to a hotel restaurant, for example, you are treated in a way that they talk to you really respectfully <laughs> I, I don't know how to like sure sure yeah but but for us it's more like because we're called inbound company right so for us it's more like we when you come in we say hello like you're yeah, my friend even though I've never <laughs> yeah, seen you before chat with the customers yeah, yeah. Okay. and, and yeah. after that we just exchange names and then we talk, just talk to each other mm. and some some of our customer has actually like they, they became our friends that's tight yeah yeah so um, I think it's just the way we want the restaurant to run because I think there is a lot of conception of like how a good service yep. should be is yep. that I'll treat you like a king right yep. but for us it's more like I'll treat you like my friend Yep. like you are coming to my house better than a king sometimes yeah, yeah. man <laughs> so and, and I will treat I'll, I'll talk to you casually I mean it mm. can be a lot of topics it, it will lead to a lot <laughs> I, I don't know like when you're drunk there's so, yeah yeah and yeah. and I feel like because beers always start at a more um, friendly price, mm. right? Okay, that's, um, that's fair. Okay. When when you do crafted cocktails, usually they start from like 20-something dollars upwards. Mm. Um, and I think that would attract a very different kind of a crowd. And, and, and that kind of a crowd would usually be people who have a little bit more money to spend. Yep. But when you have products... Uh, that are on your on your menu that start at a more affordable, friendly pricing, you tend to get um people from all walks of life, right? Mm. The net that you cast will be a lot wider in that sense. And um we we didn't have a dress code. Like we don't have a dress code for our space. You can come in in your You can come in, in flip flops and shorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still let you come very in. tight. Very yeah. Tight. Okay. But back then with my cocktail bar, um, we were a little bit, um, um, how would I say, we were a bit critical about 
um, where, whether or not someone's going to come in in in, in flip flops. Sure, sure. Um, at least covered shoes. Uh, you <laughs> know, a perception thing. Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because when you start doing a specific product, you want the target market that's coming to feel like that is a place for them. Yep. But if they come in and then it doesn't feel like that space yep. because of how other people are dressing, yep. then uh, you lose that, you, you know, you lose that business, that repeat business as yep. well. But but with craft beers and with the way everyone is doing their craft beer bars, it gives the general consumer the perception that, you know, craft beers are meant to be something casual and fun, mm. right? And that opens a a bigger door for us because in the same way that we do our service, right? Anybody can come in. You want to come in your, with just a t-shirt also can, you know? Um, and we always remind our team in our, in our space that this space should always feel like it's our own home so that when people come in, they've, they, they feel like they've been invited to someone's house. Yep. And we, we, you know, just openly converse with them, suss them out. Like, if they don't want to talk to you, don't <laughs> yeah. go in. What about a guy that doesn't want to talk? Yeah, yeah. But, we'll but, just leave them alone. Yep. Yeah. So, so we are blessed to have a very sensitive team as well. Ah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because if you're someone who's a bit whack, right, you just keep talking and talking. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah, but the very nice thing is like what Elaine mentioned um, over the past three years, a lot of our customers have become our good friends. Mm, that's tight. Mm. Yeah. They invite us to their place for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, you know, when they have a new place, they're like, hey, come and drink, uh, you know. That's so cool. so it makes that journey a lot more uh a lot satisfying. more satisfying. Yeah, and satisfying as well. Because the whole idea of F and B is is not just about earning profits. I for us, we feel like F and B is really having a space where where you meet new people, you have a platform where you bring someone else into a different thing that you love a lot. Mm. And then that's where like-minded people start coming back together again. Yep. And it makes work fun and it makes work feel like play. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So assuming that the differences between running a cocktail bar and running like a craft brew uh, bar, is there any aspects of running a cocktail bar that you miss that you wish you could have in, in, in the current setup? Yeah, I would say that um, we, I, I think the mistake that I made back then um, was um, we could have made it a lot more accessible in terms of um, pricing. Uh, at that point of time, I was still really young and naive, and mm. I was very new in running a business or just being in FMB. So I didn't understand all these little things where it's good to start off your prices a little bit lower first, get people through the door, um, help them to understand your craft a lot better. Mm. But I kind of just wanted to do it and I expected people to just know it, mm. you know, mm. but but it was a stupid idea, la, you know. So um, that was a, a, a big boo-boo that I did, la, mm. right, which, which really helped me to grow a lot. Um, I mean, one fuck up is always good for you to learn. Uh. So hopefully uh, you learn. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not from drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um if I could change one thing about what we did back then was um to understand what was that final goal 
which is to help people to understand a craft product, but to also understand what the industry needs at that specific point of time and how we were going to craft out a plan over like a year or two or three Mm -hmm. to get people to start moving towards that, then forcing them to accept this right away uh, when when I'm still such a new player yep. as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you say that that's something like, I guess the, the ideation of craft beers did very well because it was more like slow. They were more accepting. They had very open culture. People can just come in and talk about it. Yeah. I think that is, that is a very interesting uh, idea. That you could go to a bar, you don't know something about it. You can have a conversation and tell yep. you about, like, the long history about it. So that's the difference like, between. Yeah. And I think it also is, is a, is is a whole build up of all these different bars of good friends mm. all pushing towards that same direction in terms of how uh we do our activations so um and and because of the ideas that were thrown around back and forth um that really got me to start to understand how doing parties events activations collaborations um to help bring a very different community and to build a different community in our space or in each and every space that all of us run. Yeah. So this this word community, I'm just curious to know how how do you both define it for yourselves as well as for the company? Because I, I think it's a very vague uh, word that could encompass a lot of different things and people throw it around uh, meaning one thing but they actually could mean something else. So I'm just curious to know like, individually what does it mean and as a company. Yeah, because I, I would assume it means different things, but it overlaps. Mm, yeah. Mm. So, when Imbetco first started out, um, we we saw the term community as a safe space for everyone. Mm. Right? Um, no no matter what form of walks of life that you come from, Imbetco is supposed to be that safe space for you. Um, so, that was how we started out with the term community. I think in this current space, uh, with this current concept that we are trying to build, I think the idea of community still goes back to what we started the brand off with, where Impact Co. is supposed to be a safe space for every individual. Mm. But at the same time, we are building our community in that sense where we are looking for individuals who are committed to this direction of the brand where when customers come in, you are not just doing a job. You mm. do it because you love interacting with people. Yep. You love forming new friendships. Yep. Um, you love collaborating together with us, um, with new people. And from there on, building different uh, communities. Um, and... When it comes down to that level of um, our guests who come to the shop, that community that I see now is a community of people that um, want to eat and drink better and to eat and drink right. Mm. And who are people who are committed to um, this idea that we have and they love the story of how the brand first came about. Yep. Yeah, so I, I... I think, in short, that's how I see the community in our space now. Yep. Yeah, because I I would say for myself, I generally gravitate towards people that I want to talk to. 
okay. I, I am think that's not for most as, people, right? <laughs> uh, well, the ladies at the shop are way better at, at, at you know just chit chatting with mm. anyone. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm sure they have their down days as well, but for <laughs> me, I I only like talking to people that I feel comfortable with. Sure. Um, I don't like to um just go out there and try to sell beer when I just don't feel like I want to do it. I'm just that kind of guy. What about right? drunk Tim? Oh, talk to anybody. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, okay, yeah. I just wanted to Everyone. clarify. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk <laughs> to anybody. Cool. Yeah, can yeah, be your yeah, best yeah. friend anytime of the day. Yeah, but, but I, I also realized that when I start talking to people, that's when I start forming very close relationships. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I think that's what makes this community work for me mm. because like-minded individuals are always coming together. And I feel that that's how a community is formed. Like-minded mm. individuals coming together. They see eye to eye on how things are, you know, like the big like big picture, yep. right? And um, I think that that's how I am building that community for myself, yep. which so happens also kind of vibes back with the with the community that we have yep. or we want to build with the brand direction. Uh. Yep. Yeah. Mm. How about you, Elaine? I think, I think for me, it's more like what he mentioned that forming friendships and all mm. that, but f because I'm actually a little bit introverted sometimes. Okay. Especially when back then before I met him and then we have this business together, um, I was working in corporate uh, you know, like those boring. So paradise. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. It's like when I was working in corporate, like I don't really get to meet people, mm -hmm. and because I was in IT. Okay. Yeah, so I meet all kinds of like weird people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't really get to uh, meet new people. That is, I mean, not. I mean, I don't get to meet people that I can form friendship with and or at least I say like in corporate world it's a bit more serious mm. so you don't get to like talk about like everything yep. to each other so like work and there's like a circle yeah yeah and you don't really get to be friends with them yep. because there's just this barrier so for me when I started when I first started with team on uh in, in Batco at River Valley um, it wasn't something that I really enjoy, which I actually told him before. And uh, no, no, I <laughs> <laughs> was no, a very no. shocked like expression. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I don't enjoy like the talking part. Mm. Uh, so I'm always behind the bar. Like, I don't go out there. And when after that, I start to tell myself to open up a little bit more. And that's how I learned to... I mean, as you can tell, I'm still a little bit nervous right now. So I, I can't tell, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really like open up easily. Mm. So like this, this um, business also helped me to open up a lot more, making, forming new friendships. Yep. And, and because it's a space where everyone can come in, we meet people from like, from different communities. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have, I, I still can't define what community is mm -hmm. for me. 
Yep. I think it's more like meeting like-minded people, meeting people who are willing to open up in a more casual setting yep. and there's no like this barrier between each other. Yeah. I think that is what it mean, meant for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are like two steps away from being a caller. Yeah, like <laughs> two no steps, barrier yeah. within one close another. Really, Everybody's close. close. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I'm curious to know why are collaborations important for the brand? Because I know that you guys recently did uh, something with uh, Gravy Baby and I yeah. thought that was quite interesting. So I'm just curious to know why is collaborations important? So when we started doing collaborations a long time back, um, the general idea, because it was so new for me, right? Um, the general idea was to just bring crowd, mm. right? Uh, someone else will have their own uh, group of friends, yep. right? Who will want to come down for the event. How I'm seeing it now is very different from how I first experienced okay. it. Um, and how we are structuring our collaborations now um, is also very, very different. The way we do our collaborations and why it's so important for us and for me as well, um, we are doing a lot more um, collaborations where it's food-driven. Mm. Uh, we used to do like, um, an, for example, an alcohol supplier comes down, invite everybody down, just fucking drink and just get smashed, you know, just sell a lot of beers kind. Yeah. Mm. Um, yes, money came out of it. Then there's a big question mark of like, was this meant to be it? Mm. Um, now with this new space um, or before we started this space, we took some time to think about how our collaborations will, like what kind of a direction would it drive towards and why? And for me, when it comes to the food direction, um, when it comes down to food collaborations, I realized that um, what I wanted from this space and what I wanted for myself as a chef, cook, whatever, la, right? Um, is to work with more chefs and to work with more cooks. Yep. Um, in that process, that is the time that I start learning something. Mm -hmm. um, because for me, I feel like the daily grind of just coming up with a new dish and churning it and churning it and churning it. Yes, there is a charm to doing this because there is a direction with how we want our food to be yep. portrayed yep. and sold, right? But um, I feel that journey gets very cumbersome in that sense where there's no new collaborators to bounce ideas off because mm. there could be someone uh, like when I met up with Carmen from Gravy Baby, um, who's actually been for the long time because she's a Pranakan as well and I'm a Pranakan as well. Um, we've always had uh, this burning desire to 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 um, interpret Pranakan food in a different way. Okay. Right? Um, in the setting of a restaurant, like how could we make it casual, affordable, but at the same time, um, it looks so differently plated, you know? And um, we wanted to relook at the processes of how a dish is made and how mm. we can inject something new in that process yep. that would make uh, the dish taste more or less the same, but in terms of textures and flavors and the other um, little complements that go around it, yep. it's all different. It's all... Um, kind of like a deconstructed PB&J. 
if you will. You take oh, apart tight, every okay. little thing and then yep. you see how you can process it into something different. But in terms of flavors, they all still marry nicely in the mouth. Okay. Um, so like, for example, we did, uh, so Carmen does a crazy nice Ota pate, uh, Ota, and we do a lot of pates in our shop. Mm. So I was like, hey, fuck, shall we do a Ota pate? Shall we turn an Ota into a pate? We mm. tried it out, put it on a croton, uh, did a different take on an acha as well. And now it's a main item on our, on our menu that sells them well also. Yep. So yep. Um, to answer your question, um, it's important for me in that sense where we are always challenging ourselves. Now, when it comes to collaborations, now we, we don't see it so much of a pack the whole house, earn a shit ton of cash. Mm. But we see it more of us as owners in the brand growing um, through each collaboration. And that's how in the long run, the business will always be very fresh because we're always trying out new stuff. Um, I tried something with Love Handle and they do vegan food. Okay. I've never thought that I would go into vegan food. Can you imagine yourself being a vegan? Fuck no, man. I absolutely cannot. I absolutely cannot. It's so hard sometimes to just ask him to eat healthy. So no, what, what, no. what does healthy mean in this context? Though? No, so like once in a while, eat more veggies, lesser meat, lesser okay. salt. I okay. eat veggies, but just that she doesn't want me to eat like like oily foods because yeah. I can eat like curry chicken noodles for lunch like three days in a row. Yo, three pieces of lettuce is not vegetable, sir. Yeah, yeah okay, <laughs> yes, yes. But um, I- Like a balanced diet. You okay. can yeah, still yeah, eat all less that. You oily can indulge la, you know. in that. Just okay. a, a balanced diet. <laughs> yeah, so- like one of our collaborations we did with Love Handle as well. Yeah. And that was really to challenge our business and ourselves, especially me. Yeah. Um, to work with vegan ingredients because um it's different, right? It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it was a really tough time for me because um when I was creating the menu with Eddie's, I really had to um um take his lead on mm. a lot of things. I, I was throwing out a lot of ideas. But uh, I needed his help to like tone it down to how it can be vegan. So um, I'm not someone that thinks a lot about like uh, what should vegans eat. Uh, if you're gluten free, yep. What that consists yeah. of, yeah, like, because you, you wouldn't know, know. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, when I cook food, I just want to fucking cook, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, if I think that butter goes well with this, then you know. So when I was chatting with Eddie's on this. I was like, hey, let's use some butter. He's like, bro, that's not vegan. I'm like, oh, fuck, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a lot of rules in it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But that was really to challenge myself and to start learning something different. Because I think when you when when I start doing something like that, then I start to understand what different groups of mm. consumers want. And that could and would eventually lead to us having a vegan item on the menu as well. But I would, would never you be okay have, with that? <laughs> I would love trying that out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, for me, I've always, see, as a consumer, I've always thought that um, being a vegan means impossible meats. But that, yeah. Fair. Right, right. Yep, yep. Um, um, and I'm a bit of a boomer in my mind like that. Like, I just think of like, ah, ah fuck, just impossible meats, right? Yeah. Um, but because one of the main mantras in our business now is to work with more vegetables, and um, where did that come from? 
Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Just, yeah, yeah. Because one day he was just watching this show. Okay. And, no, Fi- uh, no it w- Final Table. Final Table. So On Netflix. Okay, okay. So I think he is really good with like handling his meats, uh, beef, lamb rack, all this. Mm. And he knows... Yeah, the, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He knows like... You don't need to tell the class. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> he knows the doneness of like... He knows how to control the doneness of mm. the meat and he doesn't really need a timer. Wow. So he kind of know how to yeah, do it. Yeah, a lot of people like, used to come yeah. to Imbeco just for the meat. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So he oh, okay. he realized that actually, if you just buy like a really good expensive piece of meat and you just know how to handle it, you don't really need much of other ingredients mm. to add on to make it like really tasty. Mm. So he wanted to change uh, the way he do his food. So he find it a challenge to process vegetables Vegetables like tomatoes, uh, cucumber, I don't know, like things that people normally don't see as the main style of the dish. So he want to make it in a way where you can be eating this plate of food, like meat, and then there's some side dish. But we have customers like, you know what's my favorite part of the food? I like that purple cabbage. (laughs) And it was a salt-baked purple cabbage, which is a lot of work also. Yeah, but... It takes time with that. Of course. But yeah. So yeah. when we started this new venue, I wanted to work with a lot more vegetables. Mm. And it was more of a challenge for yep. for myself and for us in this new space to, to start trying out things that we would never have done. If not, why are we doing a business? We might as well just close shop because she can go back to a full-time job and she will get paid well. Mm. Why the hell are we doing this, right? Mm. And if we are in an industry that does so much crafted goods which are great products made from scratch and with a lot of um, mindfulness that yep. goes into how things are made why are we not doing that with our food right mm, why why can't i challenge myself as a person in the kitchen to look at a white onion that might go at 30 cents how i can make it feel like a five dollar dish mm. to you right just through a piece of an onion Right. And, and and it was something that we were trying very hard with this new space. Um, people are starting to latch on to that idea already. So that's why I thought, why don't I work with someone that does vegan food well? Yep. So that I learn a little bit more about how vegetables can be better processed because I've always thought that it was just impossible me eat some vegetables yep. here and there, you know. Yep. But um, Eddie's really helped me to open my eyes up to, to how a lot more um, met- methods can be used mm. and employed with um, just creating starch in a dish. You don't have to always use potatoes. You can use chickpeas, right? Yeah, and 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 these are things that come out of the collaborations that we have, which in turn help to grow the skill set of the team as, a, as an entirety because the chefs that work with me as well they get to come in on that collaboration. Mm, oh, they get to come yeah. in on that that process, the execution. And in in that, all all of us in the kitchen, our toolbox just keeps getting better and better. We've got more tools in, yep. in, in our toolbox, right? Yep. And in that same way, when we do things like that, then different groups of customers start coming to our shop. Yep. And these are very specifically targeted groups that we want yep. to have through the collaborations um, where we would um, kind of uh, 
position our menu according to how we want um, these people to to feel and to taste uh, when they come to our to our space. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. So it, it seems as though um, the the idea of collaboration, even for you uh, as a cook and as a business owner, is a lot driven by curiosity. Whatever mm. you're curious about at that particular point in time. So I would like to know what have you been curious about lately. What what is, has been on your mind that you feel like hey, it could be an interesting collab you want to try you have you've never done it before yeah mm. it, does does it always have to be uh something consumable or can it be something outside of it yeah um yes there is something that uh we are working towards I I I think I can only share like the broad strokes sure for now <laughs> um so there were. As of late, there were two things that I was very curious about, right? Not um, COVID, right? Canary. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Pass. Done. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm not curious about that shit okay. anymore. Right? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, the first thing was working with Chinese vegetables. What do you mean by Chinese? There's so, a difference. Um, a lot of um, vegetables that you would find in your Chinese food, like your kangkong, uh, bok choy, mani thai, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, you don't see these ingredients coming up in restaurants very often. Okay. Um, Except Chinese restaurants. It's like yeah. food. La. Correct, correct. <laughs> okay, right. okay, but, okay. But it, it's, you might see them come up sometimes in fine dining restaurants where they have them as like a little puree. Uh, they might have like Kangkong uh, or like bok choy shards and all that kind yep. of stuff, right? Bok choy shards. Yeah, where they like kind <laughs> of fry them and they're like, you know, shabba, shabba, shabba. If you ever start a band, right, you can bok choy shards. It's a pretty cool band name actually. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, and then I have a friend, his name is Kai. Um, he used to work in quite a lot of Michelin restaurants, but he's over that shit. La. He, 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 he works and, and, and now he's uh, the co-owner of East Coast Commune, which is a cafe at um at East Coast Park. Sure. Um when he first helmed the kitchen there, he was creating a lot of uh, affordable fare for for your cafe goers, right? Yep. And I was really surprised at the stuff that he did there. Um he if I'm not mistaken, he took like Chinese olives and he blended it with cream cheese to, and then he paired it together with smoked barramundi and kangkong. And that was the best dish I've ever had. It was fucking amazing. And he don't eat cream cheese. And I don't eat and cheese. And he'll eat that shit. And I, yeah, and I'll <laughs> okay. eat that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and Okay. Yeah, I like... I see the conviction in your eyes. I believe yeah, it. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the ingredients that he used in that dish were all very inexpensive things, but yep. but it felt like it should have been put on a higher pedestal okay. in terms of pricing and, mm. and, and and in terms of the flavor profile. Um, so, and I did a four hands uh, last year with Kai as well. And he really th- taught me a lot of things um, when it comes to just using very inexpensive stuff. Like uh, you buy a piece of barramundi, right? You cut off the belly. You don't use it, right? Throw it in the freezer. What are you gonna do with it, right? So we came up with a really we like we came up with a really cool salad where it was made up of uh, very different things. Like there was a spring onion 
puree that went inside. There were confit shallots on the inside. It's just shallots throw into oil. Okay. Right? You confit them. You can add whatever you want to that oil, right? Uh, we had some heirloom tomatoes. We had some fried kale on the inside for texture. And then we finished it off um, with just pensiered belly. Okay. Tight. Yeah. And it was the star of the show for that night. Like we had a lot of other dishes as well, but a lot of people loved that dish. They loved how simple that dish was, but how every single flavor, like the tanginess of the tomatoes with the spring onion, uh, you know, with the belly, yep. how it all worked. And and I, I think that was one of the first few times that really got me thinking a lot about vegetables and how it could be used in so many ways to actually make a dish taste so much better. Yep. So, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, so Kai and I, I think next month we'll be working on a menu where, yeah, so we came up with the idea instead of four hands, we'll do, we'll call it 20 fingers. What's yeah. the difference? <laughs> Why? Just for laughs. Fuck <laughs> okay. his money. La. I, I guess. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Yeah, so we are, we are planning on doing a simple again affordable menu it's not about the money it's really about just exploring um a simple five course where we will work mainly with a lot of um local vegetables that you usually would see in your chinese restaurants yep and to create an entire menu around all of these things yep. yeah together with some proteins here and there yep um another thing that i've always wanted to do was to um, pair food with art. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. so, so how, what does that look like to you? Yeah. So you, you did a podcast with Nick, right? I believe so. Yes. yes. So uh, Nick Ong and I are working on something now. Where okay. so so there was just one night where I was just chit chatting with him. And how drunk I, were both of you guys? Quite drunk. Fair. Quite drunk. But okay. that's where the ideas start to flow. You that's know? what everybody yeah. says. Yes, but yes, they yes. usually drink a lot that they say that. So <laughs> it's a bit uh, conflicting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we were just having a conversation on... Um, so I I first told him about this chef that I I was reading up a little bit more on. Uh, with, his name is called Grand Aches. He is a Michelin star restaurant that does a lot of art. Right, so um, how he does his foods um, at the start was he would roll out a piece of paper on the table, like okay. a huge piece. Okay. Then he and his chefs will come out, start painting with purees, uh, with different cubes of meat yep. and all that kind of yep. stuff. Then and you create an art piece on the table. Yep. Um, and then I, I just told him like, "Fuck, that's a damn good idea. Like, why is no one doing this shit?" Right. So then I. Then I just asked him like, um, do you want to do like, uh, do you want to put some art up in our space, you know? And then we had a, f uh, a like a long conversation about how the both of us felt that that was quite a stupid idea. When you just um, said it was good, like, yes, yes, like yes, 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 two minutes right? ago. <laughs> but, some, but sometimes you need to know that your idea sucks by saying it first, right? And then okay. you hear it from someone else to say that, hey bro, that's a stupid idea, right? Okay. But, yeah. Um. So, then I tarry a bit lah. Then, then I said, yeah. We and we both realized that 
usually when um, um, just for us la, as consumers we feel that when you go to a place where an artist's art is on the wall mm. um, like a restaurant right you either go there for the food and drinks or you go there for the art mm. um, fair you might go for both but one will take precedence over yep. the other yep. for sure that's yep. what we feel and I told him why don't we make art edible in front of the table Mm. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's as far as we are going now, lah. So okay, it's something that we are that I've always wanted to do, and um, that's how. Like for me, I wanted art and food to be on this of the same importance, the same amount of attention that you are that you are going to give is all the same yep. throughout. Yeah, yep. so it's something that we are working towards now, lah. It sounds really exciting, and. Yeah. I think on that tangent, I'm just curious to know, um, has each of your idea of food, has it changed being in the F&B industry for so long? I can imagine uh, it running an F&B business, being in it for so long, you have to meet certain minimums here and there. Has, has the idea of food or even good food, has it changed? Or still you have a very clear picture of what it should look like, what it should be? Because from the example you shared, mm. it is like he's creating art. Do you see as art? Yeah, I'm just curious to know. I think definitely for me, it's always changing. Mm. I think it's not, there's no like certain um, definition of what good food is. Mm. I think it's just what it is to you and how your palate evolves as mm. you grow and what kind of food that you eat. At least that that is how I see it. Yep. Yeah. So as Tim is beginning to see the life because the vegetables, mm. are you going to go to more meats? Does it work like that? No, it doesn't work like that. No, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I'm just the support rule. <laughs> she handles all the money in the business. Okay. I just make I sure don't we, don't, we, don't, we don't go bust. That's it. Fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. But I think for me, I'm very much a scatterbrain kind of a person. I might like something for a while and then I change my mind. I'm like, fuck, this is boring already. Okay. Mm. Yeah, but I think uh, when I first started working a lot with meats, um, and when I reached a stage where I felt I was pretty comfortable with that, um, it became boring for me. Mm, okay. Um, and in in my mind, I always saw it as um, it was a process of, okay, I get a piece of meat, right? I have a stick. I can touch it. I can grill it. I can pan sear it. I can braise it. You can talk to it. Yep. Yeah. You can make love to it also. Yeah, yeah. precisely. But, but there's only so many ways that you can go about it but um, in those same tracks of execution the outcome has to always more or less be that specific flavor style of what okay. that, uh, what that execution is right mm. and I over time I realized that what made this meat dish exceptionally great um, is two to me is two things one of course the grade of the meat that you buy mm. which will vary from business to business. You got more money, you buy the best cut of meat, right? Sure. Yeah. And the next thing that made that dish really stand out is what went with it, which was the vegetables. Oh, interesting. And that got me thinking a lot. That's why it got me thinking a lot about vegetables. And and and, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, that the whole idea of working with vegetables and, and, and the different combinations of what could come out from it it's actually endless. So, yeah, a bit overselling the idea, but sure. 
<laughs> so for so on that same note, I uh okay. So if I were to make a puree mm. with bok choy, yeah. I could put strawberries with it. I could put um kale in it. I could put potato in it. Right. I could mix all of this up. But who would take a piece of beef and blend it with lamb, if not for meatballs or like uh okay burger pet patty, right? So you have a lot more elements to work with. Yeah, and okay. and and just from one ingredient, you can pair it with so many different things, and and that's just as far as your mind wants to go, right? Yep. If you feel like these two things will work, fucking try it, lah, right? And 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 that makes that process even more fun for me, at least. So. I think the evolution of food for me um, will always change, but I think that I will always still want to work with as many vegetables as possible. I think that's that one thing that I I'm sticking to now. Okay, have been yeah, and 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 I hope I will continue to lah. Yeah. I'm getting very strong vibes. Like if we have this conversation two years later, he'll be a total vegan. Yeah. No. <laughs> never say never, Let's right? Let's do it in two years' time again, right? <laughs> no. No. I don't think yeah. that's possible. I, I, well, stranger I, things have happened. I really, really tried, yeah, you know. True, true. Yeah, yeah. I, Kiola asked me to watch this uh, Netflix show called uh, Game Changer. And wow. it was about how being a vegan will actually mm. make you a lot stronger. Your sperm count goes up. You know, are, are and, those things and you all want? that kind of stuff. If those things um, are not what you want, it you doesn't don't know work. how sick as much. Okay. Which, which are I things think that we generally all might want. you are just healthier and how yeah. like um your immunity is a lot better. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I tried it for for one meal and I failed. One yeah. meal. Yeah. One I, meal. I tried it for one meal and okay. I failed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't go past that. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I won't. Yeah, two, two years, uh, tw- uh, tw- 2024. Uh, yeah, we'll have this yeah. conversation. Okay. Okay. So I'm just getting very strong vibes. Uh. It's like more like a, a, a mental shift. Then slowly you were like, hey, maybe I shouldn't eat meat. I eat more vegetables. Never say never. Never right? say never. Stranger things have happened. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but we are not a vegan restaurant. All of our dishes have proteins. Yeah. It's just that um, we feel that a protein dish can be made so much better mm. when you employ all this, you know, yep. creativity yeah. with the vegetables that go around. So it's not it. so rigid, la, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's not, yeah. Um, we initially started the this new venue by doing a lot of vegetables and uh, we had to pull back a little bit because we realized that I was going crazy on just like, <laughs> like a lot of crazy ideas. Like um, I did a caviar with key lime some people eat really, they're like, wow, that's quite cool. Some of them, they try it, they're like, okay, Lord, just key lime, why don't you just squeeze some lime on, on the top, you know? But the idea is to give it that textural flavor, uh, that textural need that you have in your mouth when you yep. bite into a, a piece of key lime caviar together yep. with some scallops, you know? Um, but we realized that maybe 30 to 40% of people could uh, appreciate it. Yep. And the, like we've really more or less conquered that craft beer part already, yep. right? So now it's a very new thing all over again. Yep. How do you, how do we as a brand start getting people to think a little bit more about uh, what they're consuming, mm. uh, make some uh, informed choices, but not to make that process like cumbersome, like, you know, you mm. don't go on and like such, such, such. The menu just to find out like it must be like this, right? But it's more of a, if you're going to go for date night, if, if you're going to spend like 200 bucks, right? Um, why don't we go to a place that really wants you to feel like you just had that meal and it's freaking worth it mm. and it could be worth more. Um, but 
we realized that people couldn't really are not really subscribing yet to vegetables uh being put in so many weird forms mm. you know yeah yeah so we had like beetroot chips uh small pieces of beetroots that we put around a liver pate okay. to make it mm. look like a flower yep. then we had a um soy kelp egg yolk in the center to make it look more like a, like a flower they really okay. like that but um still they they are visually more drawn to the dish more than they are understanding what the ethos is when it yep. when we create stuff like that. So I beg to differ though, like because like because I'm on the floor all the time, right? So there are customer that ate the beetroot chips that told me that I never like beetroot, but we eat this. Yeah, so like there's yeah. a mix, lah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, so but not really. Actually, most of them love that dish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like it just changed their perception of how vegetable tastes, and mm. they like it. Mm. Yeah. So. At least for me, I felt like I was doing a little bit too much at the start. Mm. So we put back a little bit on all these uh, crazy styles um, of, of, of putting vegetables out. Yep. And we and in this new menu that we launched uh, three months back, we made them a little bit easier to understand. Uh, we, had, we introduced a new uh, section where we had grilled vegetables. So we have a, we, we have a bincho grill in our space where... We put in new vegetables. We try to change them every few months. Um, so now we've got like maitake mushrooms. Uh, we've got leeks and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that is easy for people to 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 subscribe to first. Yep. It's not expensive. Mm. Yep. Then you start trying vegetables on the grill and then you're like, hey, fuck, this is nice. It goes very well with the horseradish sour cream they have and the gremolata and all that. Then when they start enjoying this, then, we, then, then that is when we want to start to think about how we can bring that back. Yep. again but mm. yeah it's just more of that fuck up from the cocktail bar <laughs> you know to paying to, dividends and teaching you lessons yeah 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 <laughs> it got me thinking a little bit about it also and yep. and and then I, I i was like okay let's let's simplify a little bit first yep and then we can play with it a little bit more in our forehands in our collaborations yep. where it's more intentional the crop that's coming down is very intentional then when the next season of the menu comes out then we we can go through all the feedback again and see if it's if it's time for us to just move up to the next step already. Yep. Yeah. So so that leads me into my next question with regards to menu creation. Um, what thought goes into preparing a menu? You you mentioned that a, a new menu kind of debuted, I think, early January, like mm. the start of this year. What were the ideations uh, going into that? How was it different from the previous one? Because I would imagine uh, the 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 menu of a particular place is kind of like the highlight. People mm. come in for this particular dish. People want to try different dishes, and it kind of also sets the the I won't say ambiance, but but, but the feel when someone eats something there and they really like it, they will come back. So you have to balance all these different uh, complicated variables because what if someone really likes something from a menu two years ago, but mm. you as a creator, you want to try something new. So what are these uh, thoughts going into it? So I think something that's very important that I always take into consideration is um, what feedback comes in from the from the people who are working the floor. Mm. So uh, Elaine and Charmaine, who are our two ladies on the ground, will... will um, will let me know that okay uh, based off the past few months uh, we've been selling a lot of this bar bite and a lot of people really love this um, we should keep this 
maybe we can consider another bar bite with a starch element for for example so we look through all the numbers we look through all the feedback and we decide on what we should keep on the menu first um and usually for me before i create a menu i need at least like two to three months lead time you go meditate on it uh, it's 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 more of um i i feel like um i don't like the i don't like to be called a chef because i feel like i am still at the level of being a cook What's because the i'm i don't know chef just puts you on a pedestal that that for me just gives a lot of expectations of like the level that your food should be at Right, I just want to be known as someone who just cooks, right? Okay. Um, but um, the the reason why it takes some time for me is because I like to create my menus according to how I've I've perceived the past two months, three months to be like. Yep. A lot of a lot of the collaborations also play a very big part in how I create my next menu because mm. that. I always come out of every collaboration learning something new. Yep. Um, and that changes things very drastically for me all the time. And I realized that that because things are changing very drastically for me, right? Um, it it's proven that it doesn't make sense for me to pack something down so fast because I end up canning a lot of things. So usually I'll take like two to three months, go um go through um those few months with the collaborations first. Uh at the same time, getting feedback from the customers through the ladies. And then um, that's where I start to create the menu. And and the one thing that we don't have at Inback Co is that we don't have a specific term for the food that we have. So well, there so, are some yeah. there are some places that will be called like Motsin, uh Japanese, okay. uh mm. Western for we're not tied to a specific style, I guess. Mm. Yeah, and I told her from the start, I do not want to be tied down to a specific style. No, you're very firm on that. Lah. Yes, mm. yeah. Okay. So, um, because it gives you the liberty to just do, in a sense, whatever. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and um, a lot of the influences that I have with the food is through Japanese food, which I love a lot. I, like the past six years, I've been traveling to Japan all the time. Um, but, at that same time, with every new dish that I eat when we go out for our date nights and and stuff like that, I we might go to an Italian restaurant and then I'll be like, fuck, this octopus really damn shook. In an Italian restaurant? You know? Yeah, yeah, octopus. yeah. Octopus. Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. or, or, or we could go to a French restaurant and try something else. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I actually like how um, a potato is being done there. So I... I'll just come back. I'll take a few things that I've tried, I've learned, um, seen, and it might be a dish where it could be um, a little bit of Japanese in influences here, a bit of French influences here. Yep, yep. It could be one dish that is just a, per, a per, peranakan uh, forward dish, but a lot of the cooking techniques might be French. Yep, fair. Right? Okay. Uh, some of the ingredients might be a Japanese ingredient yep. or so. So, I don't want to be bogged down in that sense where we call ourselves, I don't know, uh, someone called us uh, 
izakaya. I'm like, fuck, I'm not, a, I'm not an izakaya, but they got a lot of that Jap vibes from uh, from, from the, the food, food that we that yeah. we have, but not yep. a lot of them are, you know, yeah. It's good that they they at least got something out of it, lah, right? But um, I don't want to be tied to any cuisine because if next month I want to do a taco, I don't want someone to come and flame me. Why is this fucker doing like Mexican food now? You know, yep. yeah. But but I want to be able to just explore and explore and explore. And if I feel like a taco can become a great bar bite, right? I I just want to have that yep. freedom to just flow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So to freedom to flow and just create it or indeed in a month and put it out in a month. Yeah. If you feel like that's the yep. thing. If no one likes it, then we take it off, lor. Yeah. You know, then I try something else yep. again. But yep. but this for me is really. As selfish as it sounds as well, that's why she takes care of the money. Um, <laughs> it's meant, it's really for me, oh. <laughs> it's really a journey for me. Yep, you know, yep. I, I, I really want to be able to have a space where I can explore and at the same time to meet new people where we can keep trying new things, things that like we have a space now, right? And if someone wants to try something stupid and crazy, let's do it, man. I, I have the space now. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm. And I, and like, I'm, I'm so blessed to have her to support me in this. Thank God we make money. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you shake your head. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah but, but for me, it really is just meant to be a playground. To, yeah. 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 She summed it up perfectly. Yes. Yes. Uh, I cook when I have to. When I don't have to, there's beer. Yeah. <laughs> and so, there's wine. Perfect. So I find food to be. Uh, a very complex medium. It's complex because if we think about the type of food that we like to eat, there's always a certain taste. And when you go back to it, we would like it to have a certain taste. Mm. If it deviates too much, then okay, maybe when I go back because something has changed. So how do you square that away? Uh, having some semblance of retainment with regards to your menu items with regards to the food that you produce. And the, the other side of that is being more experimental. Yeah, because it feels like a conflict always. Like mm. these are the things that you have to balance. Uh, a as a cook, B as a business owner, mm. and C I guess as an individual creative person. These are three different types of uh, personalities that you have to juggle always. Yeah, mm, mm. yeah. Because if you think about the, I always go back to the the Talmin at my at my at my place. There, it's perfect. I yeah. don't expect it to change drastically, and mm. they can they have probably cooked the same thing for like ten years, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah. So. Perhaps people might be expecting that sometimes. Say they go back, mm. oh, they really had this before. But then you go back, hey, it's gone. Then you ask, oh, it might not be ever coming back. Yeah. 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 So to answer your question, I I would say that there's a few um, points that we always have to make sure we hit. So for example, we have to have bar bites, mm. right? Um, I was very against the idea of chicken wings at the start. Why? <laughs> and fries. And fries. <laughs> and we still do not have fries. Okay, okay. What's I, the rationale for that? Um... I feel like unless we hand cut our own fries, right? That process is going to be boring for me. Okay. Because okay. I'm just going to buy fries. Mm. And what's the other thing that I can do? Do a sauce, right? Um, I can do a sauce that you dip it in or I can throw some shit on top. <laughs> I can shave some cheese on top, throw some truffle oil yeah. on the top, right? Um, it doesn't challenge me. It's boring. No, I don't want to do it. Okay. And I don't want to serve my customers a huge plate of fries that's super oily. And that's what I was saying at the start of the podcast, right? That yep. 
I don't want people going home feeling like they just had a bunch of grease that yep. just went into their mouth, you know? Um, so nothing, I was nothing is wrong with that but it's just that there are so many me. <laughs> yep. there are just so many other people doing it yep. anyway so yeah, it's like yeah, what yeah. can we do differently That's definitely yeah. yeah so I was very against the idea of chicken wings as well um, so fries and wings were were just a big hell no for me yeah um, but but the entire team took like I don't know six to seven months to try to convince me they kept pushing it and pushing it. Did they pushing. present you with Google Slides or something? What no. did they do? <laughs> they just kept saying like, whenever the opportunity came up, yeah. they'd be like, do wings, ah, do wings. Ah, fuck, I don't want to do wings. So you know? it's so, uh, diplomacy. Yeah, but okay. um, the idea of wings came up during phase two heightened alert when mm. business was really shit. Yep. Uh, so we were coming up with a lot of like mini events where like uh, we will do a Facebook live we will do a beer auction you pay now us 10 bucks I'll tar one beer yeah. oh you know? wow yeah, yeah we, we did, got uh, really drunk yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we did uh, everyone just want to watch us drunk yeah, yeah. yeah. so then we did a yakitori night where we mm. did skewers you can pre-order your skewers we'll send them down then we want to do a chicken wings night right oh. so I told them I'm okay to this idea because we're just doing once okay. right and we're okay. sending it out like fuck that send it out done right so we took about two weeks to do a lot of R&D right so I was looking at like the wings and like I was like the fuck can we do the wings right <laughs> we can brine uh, right? brine and do a sauce uh, do a seasoning like, that goes on top so we came up we came up with different types of brines with different types of herbs Okay. Right. Um, so I so I told my chef like, okay, if we employ the use of herbs in this, make it fucking amazing in terms of how the meat tastes, I will buy this idea. Right. So we R and D with different types of brines, R and D with different types of seasonings yep. and sauces, and then uh, we came out with something fucking amazing. Uh. So that's on the menu now. What what happened? And, and, like why and, why is it on the menu now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that that worked out really well because uh, we we priced it low yeah. and we gave small amounts because we didn't want people to have too much of that. If you want to have more, then you just keep buying, right? Yep. But but um, the flavors in and of itself, it comes together with a very spicy chili just to give you that, li that little munchie mm. with a nice kick and then you drink more beer yep. and then you want to try something else because this was nice, right? Um, but we always make sure we have at least two to three proteins um, on our main course. There's always a pasta option. Yep. We try to put in a risotto as well so that when people look at our menu, they always know that in Betco, we always have a pasta. Mm. We always have a risotto. We will have one or two different types of red meat yep. and we will have a fish. Yep. So we try to make sure that the base protein, which is what people are always looking for, yep. stays. And then... Uh, when it comes to the appetizers and the bar bites, we try to keep on the stuff that are that have been doing well. Um, things that have been doing well, sometimes we like to tear them off the menu for a while, do what? some R and D, <laughs> okay, and then we make it better, mm. bring it back again, let our regulars try it, and then we get the feedback on whether or not the newer one is better, mm. or they like the older one. So if they like that newer one, then it's a uh, it's it's nice for us because we know that the R&D process is always working for us and our customers 
And that makes that process fun on both ends. Yep. Like we feel good coming out of it, doing all that work. They feel good that their, their watering hole is always putting in that work to make their favorite dish a better dish mm. all, all the time. Yeah, so we free play a little bit with the appetizers part. Then we try to keep that same set amount of stuff on the main course and the bar bites. Yeah, so that's how we, that's kind of like that guiding principle that we have. Mm. Yeah. So I think the idea of team uh, has been brought up a couple of times in this conversation. I'm curious to know what, what aspects of an individual do you guys look out for when you guys are selecting new people for the team? Because I've spoken to previous guests, which are like, I think one of them is like a past chef and stuff like that. Um, from, from, from the conversation, I get the impression that every day, let's say if you're a cook in the kitchen, every, every service, it's like a fucking battle. Yeah, because you, you yeah. don't know what might happen yeah, yeah. and food as a medium is so as much as you try to get it consistent for the night yeah mm-hmm. it always ranges I think things might fuck up here and there so I'm curious to know um, in, in selecting people to join a team what, what are you guys looking out for? I think for his kitchen <clears throat> sorry I think for his kitchen like, team I think it's a bit more someone who is a bit more experimental also um that's a need to have experience. Yeah. We don't really... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. We don't really care about that. I think it's a bit more on the character that you have. Um, Like, are you... Like, if you come in and you're like super quiet, you don't talk to us at all. It's very hard to work together as sure. a team too. So I think it's a bit more like if you are a bit more open up, you drink a little bit. <laughs> you smash as much as Tim. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. You don't have to Pass. do that. As long as you are, I mean, that's a plus point, but if, <laughs> but if you are willing to try out something new, you're willing to um, communicate with us. Mm. And I wouldn't use the term like, like family, but we are a bit more like friends that work together and just have fun with us. I think that is more important than not not really like oh you come in you have you get interviewed mm. um like really seriously and all that but i think just know how to have fun in general yep. and that's a- i would say that elaine and i have been very blessed over the past 3 years yeah. because almost all our hires are friends mm. friends um, first or friends after uh, friends after too. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends first and friends after, and yeah. and um, the way Elaine and I have always built our team is that we are all on the same plane, right? We are not owners. Like mm. you don't have to see us as owners. You don't have to call me boss. You don't. No, you don't call me. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, okay, okay. it doesn't matter to us whether or not you have that prior experience. That's mm. not paramount to to getting the job. I think what's paramount to getting the job in each individual department is whether or not you have that willingness to be part of this team and to understand that this team is a very open team as well. So um, for example, if you're someone who just wants to come in and just work and be quiet all the time, Mm -hmm. you don't make the fit. Uh, And that's not because um, you're not good enough. That's Mm -hmm. just because we want to build our team in this way where everybody is communicating all the time and there's no break in um um in terms of the departments that we have 
uh, kitchen team and the ground team, we are all the same. We help each other out. We work together. Mm. Um, and I think in that way that we've built our team, um, we've been blessed in a sense where even though our our colleagues work six days a week with us and mm. they only have one off day, which is that same off day for us to do our laundry and get our chores done, they have been inviting us to their place for barbecues on off days, mm. asking us to go out with them and their dogs to, mm. to dog parks and all that kind of stuff. So I've been an employee myself for a long time also. I don't want to see my boss when it's my rest day, you know? <laughs> and I'm of the idea that if they want to spend so much time with us, I feel like we've done something pretty good, you know? And, it's a fair and, assumption to make. Yeah, yeah and and they they spend a lot of time uh, being involved in our lives. Like we've got a new mm-hmm. house that's coming up. One of our colleague is, she has, uh, she's an architect uh, by trade. Oh, wow. She helped us to, like she spent a lot of time going yep. for the meetings with, you know, the contractor and designing our house for yep. us, you know, yeah. and, and they do this so willingly mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's something that um, we are so thankful for. La. Yeah, but, with us, we we don't want to look for someone who's exceptionally skilled. Mm. Yeah, because that makes me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, but but um, I kind of see myself as a very blank page as well. And I always tell my hires in the kitchen, um, don't come in expecting to learn like a shit ton of stuff from me. You you will learn whatever I know, and that's as much as I can give. Yeah. Um, I I try to experiment a lot and if you are experimental, great because I'm happy if you fuck up because I fuck up a lot also. Yeah. So let's come in, let's try something new all the time and let's have fun. Nah. Yeah, so so that's 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 how we mm. choose our our hires. Yeah. So on this idea of fun, um, I'm curious to know what keeps the business fun for both of you? You want to answer or me? Okay, la, I answer first. <laughs> Since I, um, I think it's evident that the business is fun for me because I get to have so much freedom in what I'm doing. I think that freedom is something that as as long as that's stripped away from me, right, I'm just out already. Yeah. Mentally checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, I will still be physically there to get all that shit done. Fair. But, but, but. <laughs> Um, that fun would have been stripped away from me already because which happened before. Yeah, that that um that <clears throat> that pulls away the whole idea of having your own space and having your mm. own um FMB. Um, and I think what makes it fun is that the community of craft beer owners, craft beer bar owners, as well as the people that we are collaborating with, are all a fun bunch. And that's what makes that process mm. fun. Because if everybody is just a, if if everyone is just a fucking lock, right? Then, um, <laughs> yeah, then yeah. then then there's no fun. Because when whenever we meet up with friends in the industry or they come over to our bar, or we go to theirs. It's always that fun time, knowing that we are all part of the same thing. We get fun treatment when we go to their bars and when they come to our bars <laughs> to collaborate. Look, it's like, what the special treatment is this? <laughs> Lots of booze. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when we collaborate together, we we are always doing something 
very special. We always come out of every collaboration, every event, every party, like very tired, very drunk, but very refreshed because you you know you've done something new again. You you know you've created something new again. Where mm. whereas if you were to be doing a full time job and or a corporate job, it's just same thing day in day out, day in day out. Yep. You're you're not creating something new on your own terms. You're always creating some something new on someone else's terms. Yeah, and 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 that's what keeps it fun for me, Yeah, mm. I think for me, what keeps it fun also is like when we do different collaborations, different events, and I get to see how the team grows mm. as a team working together and the mistake that we made and how we are so open-minded and we help each other, look out for each other and also meeting new people like from like different walks of life or so that I think that keeps um like I don't have to do the same thing all the time. Fair. Yeah. So like it's something that that um I enjoy too. That's why I will I would be in this journey with him because if not I would have just like call it quits. Yep. Yeah. So um yeah for me it's more on that part. And and watching him grow as a Fatter? cook or oh, chef. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yes. Okay, yes. I was yeah, like, he, where, where's that did, sentence did, going? Did, did. <laughs> yeah. So watching him grow as a chef or yeah. a cook, like, yeah. like from the start when he, when I met him, it, it's more something like, oh, I, I'm just going to do this. And then when he worked with different, like when he did his forehands and worked with different kinds of chef mm. and all that, he have different ideas and how he, it's fun to watch like someone glow when they do something that they like. And 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 it's um I, I think I just like that process instead of um just doing the same thing the whole yep. time. Yep. And then we can now go out and you know, like yeah. So I think that's what keep keeps me going, like doing this. Yeah. That's a glowing review of you. That's like five stars, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> hey. well, I think it's just fun to do that. Yep. Yeah. And yep. I also feel that I grew a lot. Yep. from this journey to like as a person Tim you want to give the glowing review now? No. No? <laughs> okay. She glows all the time. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've always heard that running an FME business in Singapore is difficult. So assuming it's not all sunshine and roses what type of adversities have you guys faced? And how did you guys overcome them? Cool. Raba, we, what, we, <laughs> we went through a lot man. A lot, mm. a lot. Um, so in our first place, um, which is our first business together. Mm. Um, IBC? Yeah. Yeah, correct. IBC correct. is our first. Yeah. Like, I have nothing um, to do with the cocktail bar. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Got to fill up some more beer. Oh, thank you. Oh, I like the art for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So in our first place in River Valley, um, we went into a co-sharing space. For a restaurant? Uh yeah so so um okay one side was a co-working space yep then there was a FMB space yep and then there was another bakery that was sharing the space with us as well as the kitchen yeah so um 
it was a bit of a challenge for us because the building that we sat in was a office building. Yeah. So um our landlord had a lot of um requests. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. Not so, really a landlord. Uh. Yeah, sure. so yeah. yeah, so our landlord also runs the space next door to us. Okay. Uh, and 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 um yeah, not really a uh, landlord, which we found out after. Um, wanted us to do lunch as well. So wanted us to do six to eight dollar meals okay. for lunch, yep. which was just not what I enjoyed doing. So we, yeah, day in, day out, we were just stacking like combi, ov- like our combi oven with trays of like chicken and roasted vegetables and pastas and all that shit. Yeah. Um, and... So, long story short, we had a landlord, not really a landlord, asking for a lot of things and yeah. and and really pressing us. Yep. Like, if you don't do this, then I'll do this to you. Yeah. Don't do this, then okay. I'll do this to you. Kind of shit, you know. Like, yep. like threatening you in a different way. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, those are things that were not laid out in the contract at at all. It's yep. more of like. I ran from you. This is my space. Like soft power. Let me la, yeah, do yeah. what the fuck I'm doing yep. in my space, right? Yep. Unless you clearly stated that I'm supposed to do this, right? Yep. But yeah, there was some requests at the start and we thought like, okay, la, good working relationship. Let's do it, la, right? Uh, you want us to do coffee? Okay, la, we're bringing coffee machine, grinder, everything. Then slowly, slowly became 10 a.m. You must come in to do coffee. If you don't do, then I will do on my side, but I give free. Fuck la. <laughs> we already spent like a few thousands to buy this yep. shit already, you yep, know. So yep, yep. but for us, we're like, okay, la, keep the working relationship going, we'll do yep. But for us, um, that was the space that I mentally checked out. Mm. Uh mm. I think all of us, uh, mm. we had a business partner back then also, who was a very good friend of ours. All of us mentally checked out because every time we were trying to run our business, we were we just were told get, what to do. Yeah, we yeah. would just be still off course like okay, uh, now you do this. Yep. Uh, now you do vegan food. Now you do this kind. Now you do this. Then we're like, fuck lah, we yep. all pay you rent eh, bro. Yep. You know? Yeah, so, um, when we hit the first circuit breaker, mm. um, then our, our, our landlord came into our space and they, revamped our space yeah the landlord revamped your space yes I will say this on record because this really fucking happened yeah Uh, they came into our space they painted our black walls yellow Jesus and white okay then they created a supermarket out of our current space right and 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 yeah there there was just this very long chat about like yeah the fuck you doing I'm paying rent right like like, get out of my space yeah so it came to that and um, they just wouldn't budge the solar. So we eventually just told them, okay, la, then we call it quits. Yep. So we ended our rent early. Then we were kind of at a loss yep. at that point of time because mm. circuit breaker, uh, we had to let go of a lot of our stuff. Yeah, it was um, quite a difficult time like financially too yep. and also mentally because mm. we don't know where this is leading and how... Mm it's going to end up too. It's a lot of uncertainty, basically. Yeah, yeah. a lot of uncertainty. Then, um, we kind of found like a space. Yeah. Where um, we, we found an experimental space. Yeah, it's a bit more like an event space. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but we don't really, um, 
it's not open to public. It's more like um, if you have an event, you book with us mm. and then, then we run in space. I think we run, we ran that for about three to four months. Yeah, about, about three to four months. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. that's where after that we found this new space. Yeah. yeah, then we decided to like, okay, let's like move on. Yeah, but but throughout that that period of time from first space to second space, um, that level of uncertainty that we had was was was, oh, we thought we were gonna be here two years, then suddenly yep. cut. Then um, you got all this equipment that was meant for lunch. Mm. And for catering, for oh, you know geez. all these yeah. okay, okay. requests so that's and lots all that, and lots of like we yeah uh, we had yep. we had tons of fridges, tons of trays, tons of equipment. Yeah, so we didn't know what to do with with that as well. So that's why we we sourced out uh, for a space that was large enough for us to throw everything in first. So before that, I'm just curious: why continue working then when yeah. there's this uncertainty, so much shit. To, yeah. to clear, yeah. Why continue? Um, what was the thoughts that you guys were having? Yeah, for for Elaine and myself, we 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 truly believe that Imbeco had something special to give, and that was very evident in our first space where we were running a lot of events and parties, and and there were skateboarding communities that would come down for an unveiling for a new V. A new video that would be out. Mm, tight. Um, we did DJ parties at our space. Uh, we did barbecue parties uh, with suka suka sauce, you know. Um, and we saw how people were responding to the brand and the space and and the stuff we were doing there. Mm. And then we thought to ourselves, God damn, if we stop this right now, when it's not even the expiration date of the brand, mm. it'll be fucking sayang. But the only problem with that was that we had spent so much money yep. that our bank account was almost like dead. Mm. So, um, but we also knew that it was not time for the brand yet. So we were, we were asking ourselves like, what can we do in this period of time yep. when, um, where we need to earn some money first before yep. we find the right space because COVID has just blew up in Singapore, right? Mm. So now might not be the best time to go back into F&B. So yep. how can we continue the Imbeck Co brand um, with the little money that we have. So that was when we found like this event space that was um, it was pretty affordable to go into to store all of our stuff. Um, yeah, if anybody wanted to book the space for like small stuff, you know, um, classes and, and all that, can, uh, you know. And then I used that space to um, build a small little kitchen for myself where I experimented with food here and there, which which was really that built up to this current space. Mm. So um that was the period of time where Elaine and I were were like not really taking any money mm. at all. Yep. We would give ourselves like five hundred to a thousand bucks yep. a month and yep. it was fucking tough. Yep. Um but we told ourselves that if if people believed in this brand which there were a lot of people who who did thank God for them. Um, there will be a chance for Impact Co to come back again in mm. that capacity yeah. of a space. So, uh, we spent that that time. Um, there were a lot of down times then, uh, You know, we considered giving up. Yeah. We considered going back to like 
you know, full-time jobs. I'll just go and work in the kitchen. And I told him that if we try again, this will be the last time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Then Wallo. Yeah. So this is my this is my final shot. That's why I'm letting her handle the finances as well. Were you were you handling it prior? Uh in my first place I was. Okay, so that's yeah. a good decision that she's handling. Yes, it. Okay, yes, yes, okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Because I'm if I have to do so much um work in the kitchen already, right? Yeah, you can't juggle. It's I just can't as well, juggle yeah. that. Yeah, it's just yeah. too much for me as well. And and I don't have that creative time and space yep. as well. Yeah, so she told me, let's try one more time. But this will be the final shot. Mm. Yeah. This fucks up, we're done. We are not going to do it already. So yep. that was when she gave me that lifeline. That was when I started asking myself, if this is my last shot, if I'm going to do this, am I going to go with a fucking bang? Okay. Right? Am I going to start trying something now? You know, if I have the space, if we have the space, Am I going to start doing something different? Mm. It might not be something great right away, but I do hope that in five years time, in 10 years time, when we see restaurants and bars start doing the same level of programming that we're doing now, when um, apart from four hands, we are doing a lot of craft beer pairings with the brewers who are the local brewers here. Um, Like we've got one that's coming up next week uh, with Niang where the brewer will actually bring all the raw ingredients mm. down and we will and I'm creating a menu of all his raw ingredients as well to pair with his drinks you know yep. um i think that in 5 years time 10 years time if we don't make it um if i look back on this and and ahead as well if there are new restaurants and bars who start doing this kind of programming or start working with vegetables in that way that <laughs> That that I okay, not not so much just vegetables, but just with their ingredients in general. Yeah, and changing how people would consume their food in a bar bar, yeah. then I feel like I like we would have done something very different for the industry. There that, is an that, impact, lah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and if this is going to be my last shot, I'd rather go out with, with a bang, lah. But thank God we've been doing pretty well so far, and that's a good thing. So um, yeah. So, so the fact that the anniversary is next month is quite a big thing, actually, after hearing, because it seems as though this wasn't the phase it always started out with. But mm. pe- people would like to think it is, but it had an initial phase at River Valley where you went through so much shit and COVID and all that yeah. other shit to get to this point where you can say, oh, it's our anniversary again next next month. Mm. And you take it wherever it may lead after. I think that's a, that's a pretty big thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Especially when we didn't get to celebrate it last year, our mm. second year because of COVID. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was such a bummer. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But I, we can't believe we made three years already and we are, and we are still alive. Yeah. And, <laughs> And we've got such a great crew in this new space as well. Yeah. So tangentially to that, I'm curious to know what has running the business for both of you taught you about yourselves? What's this gesture? (laughs) (laughs) Let her go first or? Because I can keep going on. Go, go. Yeah. um, I think that um, this journey has taught me that I am very hardy and I'm quite self. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Like, I, when I was a lot younger, I, I've always dealt with my, with my work life, with, uh, I work a lot, 
if I feel like I work too much, play MC. Don't want to go work tomorrow. Okay. You know? And and I feel like I used to give up very fast um, back in the day, lah, you know. Um, you're saying as though you're 40. Back in what day? It's like early teens. Early teens. Yeah, I, I started working when I was 17. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's been almost 17 years. Gotcha. Thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. don't know, 16 years. Yeah. So um, I've always given up on things very quickly, very, very quickly. Um, My mind was never at one place. Mm. Um, I think being in this business being in this role has taught me a lot about responsibility, about perseverance. Um, when you run your own business, it's it's not just about the business and you. Mm. Especially a business like this that is so small that requires so many players to make the work happen. To even function. Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, you need to put others before yourself and and mm. and more often than not i've always been putting myself first in in most of the things that i've been doing like if yep. if, if i'm tired if i don't want to do it i just bow out yep. you know um and 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 that's how i kind of took that uh, mindset to almost every aspect of my life so yep. so being in this business um having people to to take care of having people to manage, yep. having people to um, um, watch over, mm. you know, um, has has taught me that that, and 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 also at the same time when when you know that they are the people that need needs the, that you need to make things happen, yeah, that the level of care and concern. And the level of understanding their growth and their needs changes drastically. Definitely. Yeah. And that's something that has taught me a lot uh, in this process. I never knew that I had this wit about me where if I felt strongly for something that I would go all out. Like to that point where where um, if I lose my, my relationship because of it, I would fucking do it still, you mm-hmm. know. But of course, I I still want to keep her, lah. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was yeah. uncalled for. It's like, what the hell? Okay, no, la, but, but okay. It yeah yeah. I it's 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 really shown me that I can go above and beyond where I mm. thought my limits were at. Especially when we were going from location to location, packing up, leaving, packing up. The amount of equipment that you guys would probably have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were almost done it that point at our second space already. And no right? one will blame yeah. you actually. Yeah. yeah. And and um it's been so encouraging that that people around us, uh, friends in the industry, they've been spurring us on, like continue. Um friends in the industry have also offered to, you know, at that point of time to help us out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And 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 um big ups to Lion City Midori. <laughs> yeah. They 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 helped us to to get back on our feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, into this new space yeah they were really really good friends yeah they are very very good friends yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so what about you really what has running the business taught you about yourself mm. I never knew that I would be running a business okay so <clears throat> I think it's something that um, I've 
I wouldn't say I always wanted to do, but it's a challenge for myself too. Like I never knew that I could run a restaurant. I never knew that I could be behind the bar, mm. uh, talking to people. Um, I always thought that. I think it's just like how I grew up. Um, like parents. I mean, it's not that it's a it's a bad thing. It's just that you know how like everything is like like. I'm just like accustomed to all the social norms on yeah. how you should do this when you grow up. You should be doing uh, what kind of jobs that you yep. should be doing yep. to consider to be considered successful. Yep. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that we are successful right now. Um, and I wouldn't, I also don't know what is the real definition of successful. I think for me, it's a bit more of how you feel about the things that you do. And if you feel success, if you feel successful at what you do, and that makes you happy, I think that is being successful, right? So, I think for me, I I learned a lot on like how I can handle business or handle mm. like like to even like provide a job to someone or to I still don't see myself that way because it just feels weird to me. Mm. It's just that, oh, I have more bills to pay. That's it, right? <laughs> more overheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just more overheads and, yep. and, and all that. And I never knew that I could handle that. And then when this happened and when we are doing this and how we overcome all the obstacles that came in our way and how things work out. And I learned that actually sometimes you don't need to have like a solid plan, right? You just need to work towards it, focus on it, and things were worked out as it like, yeah. Because I used to think that you need her to have like a solid plan, a solid like... Um, a roadmap? Yeah, like a roadmap to get to where you should be yeah. doing, but... I've learned to let go of that. Yeah. Sometimes still a little bit hard. I mean, he knows because like we, I will share everything with him. Yeah. But <clears throat> I'm still trying to learn how to let go of that constant control because I, mm. I, I am a little bit of a control freak where I mm. want things to work a certain way. Yeah. But I also, because of this, because bis like doing business is always like, very risky especially with COVID definitely and it's like a big I, I'm sure it's a big hit to every FME yes. industry yeah. so even though that when we face that circuit breaker period where we don't have a lot of control I've never felt that I regretted going into this because I felt that wow at least I have control on what is going to happen yep. right and if I can't do it well it's on my own terms and mm. I've tried my best and it's not my fault kind yeah interesting I mm. think the ideas of like uh, I think growing up in Singapore going through the education system and having like a family of sorts I think there's always this idea of what you are expected to do and what you're supposed to do and yes. I guess any any sort of deviation from this particular path uh, feels a bit uncertain mm. especially from, from from the context of like a Singaporean like growing up but mm. If we look at, let's say, people from overseas, it, it's actually the norm to be trusted to uh, just whatever you want to do and you figure it out. Yeah. 
what, what do you guys think of that? Do you guys, is, is that something, because based on what Elaine said, it sounds like something like that, like, because you're supposed to have this certain path, you're supposed to have this certain idea at this particular point in time, oh, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to have that. But the, even the idea of, of running a business, you can calculate the, the pros and cons of this particular business. You have a very, very good presentation, but ultimately, at, at the end of the day, um, I always feel it takes a certain amount of like possession to actually go and try it. Mm. Not even whether it's a success or not, yeah, because everything yeah, yeah. can can look right on paper, mm. but the act of doing it and when you're in it, yeah, it's very, very different. Super different. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very, very different. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say that, uh, for myself, my parents have always been very open, uh, with everything that I've been doing. Uh, they've only had problems when I was skipping school. Right, but okay, cool. I yeah. think that, I think that's a valid problem. To yeah, have. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but apart from that, they've always allowed me to do what I want to do. Yep. Right. Um. Just don't drink so much. Don't do drugs. Okay. You know that kind of usual stuff. It's like those three options. Just pick one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, but uh, I think the reason why I'm so free spirited in in uh my outlook on on certain things is because my parents have always brought me up to be to be uh um by saying to me if you like to do it just just do it if it makes you happy mm. then just go ahead and do it like they've never ever um forced me to to be something else something yeah. be, be like someone mm. you know um they always yes my mom sometimes neck will neck me and say like are you earning enough? You know, do you take a salary? Which like are all very, good mothers yeah, do yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Which are very practical things. Yep. Um, but they always, like the one thing that, that has always stuck with me is that they always ask me, are you happy with what you are doing? Mm. You must, most importantly, you must be happy with what you are doing. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and that's that one thing that has always stuck with me. La. So when it came down to running a business, I've always, told myself if this gives me joy don't talk about money first if it gives me joy i'm gonna go all out mm. yeah yeah at what whatever cost la. yeah yeah it's, it's partly delusional la, but i guess it's yes. a very good compass la. i yes, mean yes yes yeah yes <laughs> that's why you need someone to manage all the other things you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so he's saying that you stress a bit la. okay um okay la, la. sometimes he will still make sure that yep yeah if i tell him oh you need to make sure this is happening, then he'll make sure that it happens. So it's still okay. Like he just one don't want to have to worry about that. Yeah. That part. Yeah. 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 So it's a good counterbalance between both of you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She she likes to to have more control on um understanding how much we are earning every day and, that's and, and numbers, the finances. Are numbers are fixed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are very, very important. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can have fun, you can be creating new stuff and but if you you can't unless I'm we are billionaires, we can afford to do that. But if not, you still have to make sure if we are not earning big bucks, it's mm. fine. But at least to make sure that we are not in the red, right? Oh definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. so in, in that way she helps to balance me out to understand that we still need to earn the money. Mm. You still need to put up some things that will make sense to people so that the the business still yep. uh continues to remain um um uh, uh, fresh to new customers, Definitely, right? Yeah, uh, mm. and it's easy for them to relate. Yep. Um, but 
at the same time, she helps me to understand that if you don't do this, you won't even have a space to mess around with. Whoa, right? whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, throwing yeah. down the corner right yeah, which, there. Which, okay. which, which, which is the... Sound big. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But that is the reminder that all business owners need to Definitely. have. That, that, mm. that it's not always fun and games because more often than not, there are people who just start a bar thinking that it's just all fun and games, place for me to drink and for my friends to come and have fun. And then shit goes down south, right? Mm. So there's so many other aspects of the business that we need to take care of that that she always helps me to come back down to earth too. Yeah. yeah, which is very, very important. Yeah. yeah. And, and to echo your point that you mentioned, because now that you guys have a team, you guys have people, I guess, in a sense, depending on the business to, to run, it's yep. bigger than just either one of y'all anymore. Yeah. Like the business still has to run at the end of the day. Yeah. So I think my my, my, my final question for the night is, uh, is kind of like a tangent of what Tim said about happiness. I'm just curious to know, has... Uh, the idea of happiness has it changed for either of your across the years not just for, for the business as well but has it changed like did you have an initial idea of it like a very naive idea do you still retain that or has it changed to 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 become something else mm. I would say that happiness um, will always change for me mm. and I think that it will change according to different stages of life yeah, and 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 what we have ahead of us. So, so um, I was happy, like super happy, ten months ago when this place first came up. It's like yes, now I got a place. Um, we can continue doing business, yep. and this gives me joy. Um, then that bar was set a little bit higher when um, uh, and 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 the business was doing pretty well. Yep. Then the bar goes a little bit higher when when. You know, our our house is coming in like two months time. Oh, tight. Okay. Uh, we've got, <laughs> yeah. yeah, our renovation starts this week, you yeah. know, and then then that bar goes a little bit higher because now we have to make sure that more than ever, the business is earning as much yep. so that we have that security of our pay each month yep. so that we can pay off like the renovation for the house. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many factors that would change how... Um, like that level of happiness but I think for me I always anchor my happiness down to that same point where like the, I I feel all these other factors that come along the way uh, will just be little spikes of mm-hmm. excitement which also can be a form of happiness yep. but I think my happiness level um, on a very practical scale is always at this same point where as long as I know that I go to bed well, I wake up and I'm still alive. The waking up is quite important. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, the, like <laughs> it's quite yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, will never know. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, wait, but but wake, waking up, still being able to see, mm. still being able to feel, mm. touch, smell, yep. um, mm. being able to go to work see my friends, do the same things that I always love to do, my family as well. I'm still together with Elaine, my dog as well. I think, Mm. and I still got my PS5. That is like that base level. That's the peak really. You you can't (laughs) top that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but, um, knowing that I have all all these things in place, I think that is where I'm already at the peak of my happiness. And I always remind Elaine as well that that, we should try our best not to not to allow our happiness to waver because of any problems that come up in the business. 
because mm. I think a, a very big part of that happiness can always fluctuate because the things that make you happy might tie back to money mm-hmm. and that money comes through the business. The That sense of security as well yep. comes from that at the same time, unfortunately, yep. right? Yep. And, and, and that can really mess you up a lot. And um, the one thing I always try to remind myself as well as Elaine is to not allow anything with the business to to fuck with that level of happiness. Definitely. Yeah, like, like always anchor yourself at these few things that, that make sense and will not be so easily wavered yep. and be happy with just these things and then work your way up from there and start being more efficient and productive from just that level of of happiness uh, because I don't think you can ever quantify it mm. right and and it will always come when something new comes yep. like it will always spike right so I try not to allow myself to get too overly excited about stuff like that yeah. and, and, and when things don't happen and fuck you know I don't feel good yeah yeah it's, it's interesting you mentioned because unfortunately I think the brain kind of just you have emotions, yeah. spikes in emotions, but it just goes into equilibrium. Meaning yeah. it just goes back to the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess from 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 what I can hear, it's like, in a sense, like an appreciation of the, even the little things, like just waking up, just everything's okay, mm. and yeah. just going to work. That's a very good foundation to to, to be contented. Mm. I, I feel that's very important. And mm. that's something that I got when I was working in a special needs school a long time back. Uh, that was something that, that is still something that's very close to my heart. Yeah, and having gone through that phase of my life, seeing how parents feel, how kids are like, and 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 how fragile life is, you would see a kid one day, and next day, boop, the kid dies. Yep, you know, and and it's it's just that simple appreciation of the things that you have, and the things that can never be taken away from you. Um, I feel like that is that is where happiness should always be at. You know, just that appreciation of life, yeah, is very important for me. Yeah, yep. What about you, Elaine? Mm. <clears throat> I think it's. I think for me, in the past, happiness is waking up, yes, <laughs> and having a job, mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, <clears throat> um, I think for me, how it changed before I have this business, um. You know, when you, I mean, back to the boring topic, like when you are working a corporate job, you earn money and then you don't know. Sometimes, I mean, I was still young back then. I don't know what to do with it. Yep. And then um, you kind of like, like what most people do, like they indulge in material stuff yep. and stuff like that. And <clears throat> at shallow as it sounds like that, was my happiness because I don't know what else to do because all my time was just committed in working, working because I was doing a bit more like event stuff Mm. so I travel a little bit more so I don't really have time to do other stuff other than that. So I indulge myself in material stuff and after doing this business and I, and I would say it's because after I met him too, he would ask me like when we first met, oh, if you don't know, um, we actually met on a dating app Congrats. Shout out to Tinder. Yeah, you should have an event with them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. 
speed dating speed at IBC. Yeah. <laughs> we thought of that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds great. Sounds yeah. fun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he asked me like, what, like, I, am I truly happy in doing like, what am I doing now? Is it? And I immediately answered, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm contented, contented with what I have. I, then he's like, no, 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 no. Are you truly happy with what you're doing? Called leaders, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, hmm, maybe I don't, I never really thought yep. that before. And then now after doing this business, I think happiness is very different. Like no no amount of material stuff will satisfy me with yep. and I don't care about that as much anymore. Mm. And And I think happiness to me is for now, um, going to a shop, seeing the team, they are happy working with us, and and I think that's very important because mm. what I used to crave for is a very mm, healthy working environment, yeah, like not political and stuff yep. like that, which is very common in the corporate world. So I've heard, yeah, and seeing that like how we open up to each other if you're not happy we just tell we just like it doesn't matter like if you're my boss or yep. i'll just let you know that oh please don't do this yep and we can just ask each other to shut up if we want to yep like <laughs> i think that's happiness i'll like, try that later Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so like i like that mm. um how it is now like and how we manage to build this I don't know how to how to like describe it. It's more like when we go back to the shop and how, especially when it's great to have new customers, but it's even better when customers come back mm. and they tell you that I love your space. I love what you're doing. I think that is happiness to me and that's really satisfying to me and there's no amount of money that can actually buy that kind of feeling. Yeah. yeah. I beautiful. think it's yeah. the build up of all the experiences yeah. Yeah. In this space, like, like the experiences we've created, yep. not just for whoever is in the space, mm. yep. but meaningful experiences that we keep for ourselves that no money can buy. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I I I think that that is also something that brings a lot of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think to to Eileen's point about what you guys are building, I also think it's 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 not honest to say that you guys are just a bar. Because I think conventionally we have ideas of what a bar is. Yep. Mm. And I always felt that, especially for people within our age group, doing things like this, doing unconventional things, I think the idea of what you guys are building will only be evident after the fact. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, whatever, yeah. The, like the legacy, like whatever you guys have done, the impact yeah. and stuff like that. It's only after the fact. When you guys maybe yeah. one day decide to just stop. You mm. guys move on to something else. Then you all actually can tell, uh, perhaps from hindsight, oh, what you guys have done, yeah. what you guys have built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So before we end, is there anything else you guys would like to talk about? Mm. I think I think Tim's peak happiness is being a vegetarian. I, I truly, hey. truly feel that. Uh, yeah. No yeah. way. It's not gonna happen. Yo. Never say never. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um anything for Mewilin? No. I think Okay. So in yeah. closing, where can people find you guys? What are the opening hours? What can people look forward to? Yeah. You can find us in Katong, 66 East Coast Road. Level 5, Unit, unit 17. 17. We yeah. are in this place called The Flow. It looks- Sounds terrible. 
Yeah, yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah it sounds yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it looks like it's an there's like nothing much inside. But yeah. I promise you, it's a lot of fun when you come. <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can always expect us to be there unless we're down with COVID. Yeah, if not, we are there. Are you guys every- the noisiest? Sorry? Are you guys the noisiest in, in the whole mall? I, uh, I would like to think I would, so. Okay, yeah, cool. I would think so. Um, yeah. He always are, like to play his music really loudly. What, so. what kind of music? Uh, I I usually play some jazz hop over on... A bit basic, but okay. On, on, <laughs> hey, hey. On, no, I, I play some jazz hop on Sundays and then Tuesdays to Saturdays, we'll do some chill hip hop at the start of the night and then we will bring it up to hip hop. Yep. Yeah, unless there's a different crowd, then yep. sometimes I'll throw on some uh, rock and roll or some tech oh, house. Tight, tight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think the music is quite uh, is quite set in the space. Just that we are okay to always change change yeah. it up according yeah. to it did, it, yeah according to the crowd that comes in. And Interesting. Yeah. So we yeah. always yeah. look and, and yeah, just yeah. adjust yeah. accordingly. Yeah, we, and and if there's someone who who comes in and 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 most people like a specific genre and sometimes they will tell us yeah. we just pay for them uh. mm-hmm. we are we are we are we are we are not so like hard up like fuck my it playlist is my playlist you don't come in and like want to be a DJ here you know yep, yeah yep. but yeah. but un- unless the fella them drunk and irritating like there was this fella that asked for G-Dragon the other time oh no I, no I, Korean uh, shit please yeah 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 I just told him like so, so that's a hard limit yeah, yeah, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but um, uh, yeah there's that's uh, yeah. they they can expect a very nice loft space we've mm-hmm. got two levels but the the reason why that space is so amazing to us is because um, a lot of spaces in Katong there are shop houses that has two floors yep. and the second floor is always cut off on the first floor but mm. because we have uh, it's a loft style space um, we fell in love with it because we wanted noise to travel around the space it's a very open space noise from upstairs and downstairs just travels around We've got an open kitchen. So mm. um, I'm not somewhere in the back. We are always in the front. Um, we've got, yeah, the barn kitchen we, is just in. The so all these were all intentional uh, yes. design choices. Yes, though. because yeah. in our previous space, I used to be in the kitchen at the back. Yeah. yeah. And then whenever friends come. It's like, where's Tim? Where's Tim? Where's Tim? Where's Tim? <laughs> Tim? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I was always uh, yeah. stuck and I couldn't come out. Yep. So the the open kitchen is right smack in the middle of the entire space mm, yeah. so when anyone comes in like, I'm hey, there Tim. yeah, <laughs> tight, yeah. <laughs> like any new customer comes in I'll be like hey what's up hello yep. you know so we everybody in the space gets to greet every customer that comes yeah. in friends who want to chit chat if they like the food they can shout down from upstairs like yeah hey, bro the food's good you know yeah. and, and it just creates a more open space for new customers to feel that hey this place is quite chill, huh? yeah. you know, yeah. can chit-chat with the people that work here. Yep. Yeah, so that's what, like, it's very intentional in how the space is laid out. Yeah. Mm. yeah sounds yep. like a beautiful time. Um, Thank you for both of your time and for the beer. Thank, thank you for thank the conversation. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.